Well, good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? You guys take it seriously when we say go out there and get some more coffee. Everybody leaves. It's all right. It's all right. That's what we got there for you. That's how we... Isn't that a nice coffee bar out there? It's kind of nice to go in there and you don't even have to eat breakfast. Now, before you go to church, just show up at the coffee bar. We got everything. Free 99, right? Bring the kids and everything. So uh, just a few things. First of all, everybody that served at Bikes for Kids yesterday, let me see your hand. Just everybody that had the chance to serve. If you didn't have the chance to serve, let me tell you something. Uh, next year, make sure you're there. But everybody else, if you were there, you know what I'm talking about. I told you. I told you that was a lot of fun. And also, it's just an incredible thing that we get to, we get to serve so many families. I think that they're going to announce the number of bikes, but before it's all said and done, and after this week, it'll be well over 500 bicycles. I don't know how many, I don't know how many haircuts. Yeah. I can tell you this, every kid that filled out a letter got a bicycle, and then some. And uh, I don't know how many haircuts, does anybody know how many haircuts we gave? 57 haircuts. Not, not counting mine. Not counting mine. But just thank you so much for that, for all you did. Wasn't that cool that we got to meet the families this year? You got to actually meet a family and give them a bicycle, a little bit more of a personal touch. Had some other organizations in the community come and, and be a part of that. And then we had some, some people from Texas, some businesses from Texas. We had some other businesses from the community, but we had a, a business from Texas, from Fort Worth, Texas, drive up and be a part of that. So it's just growing, and God's doing some incredible things. So I want to tell you, thank you so much for that. We could not do that without every, with our dream team. We call our, our volunteers dream team, but we, dream team people, those are our volunteers. We could not do that unless you decided to help us. I think we had around 250 people of our church. I think our church runs between you know, four, 400 people and 500 people, if everybody shows up, 700 people, but you know how that is. You got to miss two Sundays a month, right? We won't get into that. We won't get into that. <clears throat> Excuse me. But 250 of our church showed up to serve at that. And some of them brought guests. Some of you brought guests for the first time. I met people that had never been to our church before that you brought and that said that they were going to come to our church. <laughs> so thank you for that. Uh, I, I really enjoy giving the box away, but as a pastor, I enjoy watching the church acting like Christ. I can't tell you, I can't tell you what that does for me. Man, I just sit and, because they, they know, they, they tell me, like, Travis, you don't do anything, you show up and you walk around. Because I don't, I'm not any good at anything because I'm so busy watching you guys, seeing God use you, seeing God affect your life. And, and uh, I, Tuesday when we get feedback, I'm going to hear stories about you from our team and, and all the things that you did that nobody thinks, that you think that nobody heard about. So you make this event special, and I am so proud of Faith Coach Church that we do this every single year. For 12 years, that, uh, by now, it's well over 5,000 bikes. So thank you. Yeah, one more time. Thank you for that. One more thing. Uh, next week is our Christmas celebration at Faith Coach Church. So make sure that you're here. Let me ask you something. Who are you bringing next week? Who are you bringing? This is the time when people who normally don't go to church come to church. We call them CEOs, Christmas and Easter only. Some people never come to church unless it's Easter or it's Christmas. So with people, with this on people's mind, this is the chance that we have and the opportunity. We're going to have a lot of fun, uh, and we're going to, the foyer is going to be a different kind of, of environment. We're going to just uh, bring out all the stops, and am I saying that right? Bring out all the stops? Is that how you say that? Okay, that doesn't even make sense. Bring out the stops? 
Take out the stops. Pull out the stops. I don't even, that doesn't even make sense. All right, we'll look that up. We'll Google that later. Pull out all the stops so there aren't any stops. Is that what it is? All right. You know what I'm trying to say, right? Let's move on from this. I don't have a lot of time for this. Hey, here's a good reason to come next week. I only preached for 15 minutes. That's a really good chance. That's a, I mean, there's so many things going on. You're going to get to see the kids sing and dance. and not, All the things that we never get to. Uh, Christmas is the only time we bring out the kids. Usually they're in the back, in the, way, the west wing. But uh, we're going to have a lot of fun next week. Bring your friends, bring your family, and uh, let's have a good time. Christmas at the movies, the idea behind that is we're not necessarily preaching from the movies. What we're doing is we're telling a story. I think a, a good movie could be a modern-day parable, Jesus taught in parables. And what we're doing is we're taking some of the storylines and so, trying to find some of the biblical principles in the Word of God. We're c- comparing that. And uh, hopefully we bring life change, a little bit of relevance and a little bit of life change. Well, I'm going to continue this series, Christmas at the Movies. We're going to talk a little bit about that today. But right now, let's open this up with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today. As we open up our hearts and our minds, speak to us, change us in areas, Lord, especially today as we talk about matters of the heart. This we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, look at your neighbor and say, is your heart okay? Well, if you were to look up in your smartphone dictionary, if you were to do a search, there is actually a definition to the word Grinch. There's a real definition to that. It is a person who is mean-spirited or unfriendly. But that word comes from a Dr. Seuss book called The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. Did anybody ever grow up watching that cartoon? It was a Jim Carrey movie, but, but there was a cartoon that I used to watch every single year. It was my favorite cartoon. Can you imagine that? The Grinch is a kind of a funny built character, a green furry creature that he lives in seclusion up on this, this cliff that overlooks this town, these elvish types of people that called, uh, this community is called Whoville. And he, cre- he, ate, he hates Christmas, he hates everything about Christmas, he hates all the festivities, he is very critical and mean. In fact, he's so irritated that he, get, he receives his happiness from taking away other people's happiness. So what he does is with his dog named Max, he dresses his dog up like a, like a reindeer, and on the night before Christmas he steals all the gifts, and he steals and, and he goes into the town and does, you know, just wreaks havoc on the community. And the idea was to take away the Christmas spirit because what he wants to do is he wants to take away everybody's joy, everybody's, everybody's Christmas cheer because that's what makes him happy. Well, in the scene that you're about to watch from The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, I want you to pay close attention to what the narrator says is the reason behind The Grinch's uh, mischievous or no, why he acts like this. He, he tells you why. He says, I can tell you why I think it's this. So pay close attention as we watch this scene. Max, serves them right, those yuletide-loving, sickly, sweet-nog-sucking cheermongers. I really don't like them. Mm-mm. No, I don't. Max! Get my... Look, I've been much too tolerant of these juvenile delinquents and their innocent victimless pranks. So they want to get to know me, do they? 
They want to spend a little quality time with the Grinch. I guess I could use a little social interaction. <laughs> Merry Christmas! Oh, yeah, you bet. Uh, ho, 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 and scab. Oh, my. Someone has vandalized that vehicle. You see, Max? The city is a dangerous place. The Grinch hated Christmas, the whole Christmas season. Top of the day. Flatfoot. Now, please, don't ask why. No one quite knows the reason. Hey, kids, here's a present for you. You should have run real fast with it now. Come on, double time. Let's go. Move, 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 It could move, be move. that his head wasn't screwed on just right. <laughs> or it could be, perhaps, that his shoes were too tight. But I think that the most likely reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. Hey, stranger, won't let you go till you buy a chapeau. <laughs> what, did, what he said, the problem was, what was the problem with his, his heart was two sizes too small. I have to watch all these movies in their entirety and this is probably the one I enjoyed the most because all the one-liners, but he had this little heart uh, you could see his heart, and his, as uh, he'd measured his heart every year. And as he looked at it, it was very, very small. And he looked at it, and he said, yes, down a size and a half. His heart was too small. That's what we're talking about today. Today's message I'm calling, Is Your Heart Okay? Let me ask you something. Have you ever met anybody that was mean-spirited, cantankerous, irritable, complainer, Gripey. I mean, they were they were happy for no, they were unhappy for no reason. And in fact, their mission in life was to bring other people unhappiness. Have you ever met anybody like that before? This would be a good opportunity for everybody to look straight up here and not look to the side or all around. I mean, they for no reason whatsoever, their goal in life and their mission in life seemed to be to to bring other people unhappiness. I mean, think about that for a second. You ever met somebody that you've worked so hard to gain his or her approval and you thought to yourself, man, this person just, they just don't like me. They act like the Grinch. Let me ask you another question. Could this be you? I mean, is it possible that you act a little bit like the Grinch? Think about it for a second. A Grinch is a person with issues, just like the movie. He had issues. A person who acts this way is a person who is, first of all, unhappy. They're bitter and they're jaded about life and about other people. Second of all, this person is a thief of everyone's happiness. In fact, they seek to bring other people down to their unhappy state in life. Number three, a person like this is a person that can actually be isolated because of a, something that has happened to them or maybe a coping mechanism. They push other people away until there is no one else around in life. Now, you might think at first glance a person is born like this. But in actuality, something happened to a person. If a person acts like the Grinch, there's more than meets the eye. And if, and if you're able to look inside, if you're able to take a little bit of time and get to know a person and get to know them underneath all of their grumpiness and their complaining and their, and, and, and their state of life, if you're able to get past that person, if you're able to sit down and talk to a person, you would find out that something, something happened to that person and they injured their heart. Something happened to that person to make them act this way. Because a person isn't just born like this. They have had 
a broken heart. They've been hurt. Now that person is not healthy. Her heart is not right. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's someone you love. And as we're talking about this today, I guarantee you it's going to hit home. As we talk about matters of the heart. We find out that whatever, whatever you go through in life, whatever you face in life, as I'm going to show you, these are addressed by issues in the heart. Let's talk for just a few minutes with the rest of my time. I want to talk to you about what the Bible says about the heart since it affects so much of our lives. You've got to have a good heart. You've got to have a good heart and a healthy heart. First of all, a good heart and a healthy heart is one that is tested. It's one that is tested. You see, testing brings out the truth in every situation. Have you ever heard of an expression, follow your heart? Trust your heart. The heart doesn't lie. I know that that sounds, that sounds like something that we say. It sounds like something that we want to believe. But in Jeremiah, the 17th chapter, in the ninth verse, it says this. The heart is deceitful above all things. Think about that for a second. Think of all the coin phrases that are wrapped around following your heart and trusting your heart. And in fact, the Bible says that actually you can't always trust your heart. Maybe sometimes, but a lot of times you can't always trust your heart because the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand the heart? Your heart can lead you astray because of something that happens to you. Your heart can become broken and injured, and it will cause you to be jaded making certain decisions. It will cause you to make bad decisions sometimes. That's why your heart has to be tested. A couple of years back, my father had, he was, uh, I would, you know, my, my father's been healthy his whole life. About 68 years old, he started having shortness of breath. I would go to Walmart with him. We'd walk through Walmart. He'd say, hey, you got to slow down. I'm like, why? He said, I'm, you know, I can't, I'm having trouble breathing. And then I would look at him and his, his color was off and, and it was affecting him. He, 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 he sick at his stomach a lot. And come to find out, my, my, his twin brother takes him to the doctor. And as they talk to him, they're like, hey, you're not leaving the hospital. And they run all these tests on him and they, eventually they have to give him open, open heart surgery. But if you, all the things that are wrapped around your physical body are connected to issues or to the health of the heart. And what they did and what they do if, if a person has heart issues is the most common heart test is called the stress test. What they do is they put a person on a treadmill and they hook them to an EKG and the idea is to see what's happening on the person uh, underneath uh, as far as a person's heart and they put that heart under duress or under pressure because it, 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 it shows red flags or things that are going on. Any areas of your heart that are not receiving enough oxygen, it tells those things. Is there any indication of heart disease? It tells these things. And then what happens is they have to address things. Okay, here's what's going to happen. You're going to have to go through some life changes. You're going to have to go through some lifestyle changes. You're going to have to start eating differently. You're going to have to start exercising. And some other things are going to have to take place. And, and then they might actually go a step further and say, we're going to have to do open heart surgery. So here's what I find out. Maybe this is something that happened in your family, but in my dad's family or in my dad's life, he didn't want to hear these things. In fact, he was avoiding the doctor because he didn't want to make these changes and he didn't want to hear these things that was going to help him have a healthy life. 
I find that many times that, that we don't address matters of the heart. We don't want to test our heart. We don't want to put it under any kind of duress. We don't want God looking in at our hearts because we don't want to make the lifestyle changes. In Psalm 139 and 23, it says, search me, O God. What he's talking about is when, when it comes to testing the heart, this is what it looks like, I believe. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. So here's what I think it looks like as far as testing the heart. Number one, he says, search me. Search me. Because the Lord doesn't look at the outward appearance. In our lives, in, in this physical world, when people get ready to judge a situation or judge a person about a situation, they look at the outward appearance, don't we? We all do that. But the Lord searches the heart to see what's going on. And there's nothing hidden from him, the Bible says. The next thing he says is, know me, know my heart. The Lord knows everything there is to know about you, even the things that you try to keep hidden. He knows why we act the way we act. He knows why we're guarded. He knows why we, we, don't, we don't always act the way we should. He knows our hearts. Then he says, test me. Test my heart. Lord, run that stress test on me. And if there's something that offends you, take it out. And lastly, he says, lead me. In other words, I want you to lead me in the path of change. That's what it looks like to test the heart. I want to challenge you today to pray that prayer. Lord, search my heart. Know my heart. Lead me. Test me into change and see what God does in your life. Because we don't always want to hear those things. We don't always want the Lord to test our hearts because we are complacent in the way we live. We're, un we're comfortable in the way that we live. But sometimes God will step in because he needs to change some things in our lives. So I strongly suggest that you pray that prayer, Lord, search me, know me, test me, and lead me. Because God wants to change your heart. So a good heart is one that is tested. Number two, a good heart is a strong heart. It is a strong heart. And a strong heart is a courageous heart. From a physical sense, a heart is a pump. In fact, we, if, if, if you read about it, the, the heart has two pumps in it. One that pumps nutrients to the body and one that receives blood and, and, and you know, it, it funnels, it funnels blood through the lungs. And it's a very interesting thing as I was putting this message together, just how strong and how important it is to have a strong heart. You know, the scripture illustrates courage as strength of heart. When it comes to the spirit, the Bible illustrates courage as strength of heart. In Psalm 27 and 14, it says, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Let me read that again. Wait for the Lord, be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Courage or strength of heart is obtained through waiting on God. Did you hear that? Spiritual strength. Spiritual strength. Strength of heart is obtained through waiting on God. In Psalm 31 and 24 it says, Be strong and let your heart take courage, all of you who wait for the Lord. Let me read that again. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all who wait on the Lord. So we see how waiting on God brings courage or strength of heart. Now what is waiting on the Lord? Now we've heard, all heard that scripture, they who wait on the Lord are renewed in strength. Let me read it. It's in Isaiah 40 and 31. It says, those or they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. 
They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. So we see that, that endurance of heart, strength of heart, comes from waiting on the Lord. But what is waiting on the Lord? Another translation of that scripture says, but people who trust in the Lord. So waiting on the Lord is actually trusting in the Lord. What does that mean? That means that when you pray about something and you're believing that God is going to move in an area of your life, as you wait on the Lord, you trust God. So you trust God in that which you have prayed for. Lord, I've, I believe that you're going to move in my life, but it doesn't happen immediately. So what you do is you trust God through the waiting. And what that does is that brings strength of heart. And it also brings courage of heart. You wait when it doesn't happen the way you think it's going to happen. You're praying that God is going to, going to heal your body and it doesn't happen immediately. You wait. And what happens is your heart gets stronger. Even though your body may not be healed, when you wait, your heart gets stronger in a spiritual sense. You may be asking God to move in an area of your life, maybe about a business, maybe about a relationship, maybe about a new career. I don't know, but as you wait and as you're believing God, as you wait, it's, it's uncomfortable and it's not easy. But what happens is you're gaining strength of heart. Your heart is getting stronger. And then when you go through something in the future, as, you, as, you, as God begins to answer those prayers, as God begins to move in your life, as you receive the things that you have prayed for, the next time you go through something in your life, you're more courageous because you've waited before. Because you've gone through something before, you, God has answered your prayer. You're, you're, correct. you're not afraid to step out in faith because you know that God is going to come through even though you have to wait. Why? Because you're strong in your heart. Amen? And that comes through waiting. Strength of heart comes through waiting. Don't be afraid to wait. Number three, a good heart, a healthy heart is one that is protected. Listen to me. We must guard our hearts. Listen to Proverbs 4 and 23. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Look at that scripture. Look at the brevity of that scripture. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. I wonder if we guard our hearts. I wonder how guarded we are with our hearts. How do, you, how do you even guard a heart? Listen, I think that many times we leave our hearts unguarded, especially in our culture. If somebody says to you, man, you're, you're too guarded, that might not be a bad thing with the way that our, our culture is. Ephesians 6 and 14 talks about what it is to guard your heart. And it's, it's about putting on the armor of Christ. It says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. What was a breastplate? A breastplate was used in battle to protect all of this area, especially the heart. Think of the significant blow that would happen if you were a warrior or, or a soldier and you got struck in your heart. It's over. So they had a breastplate which guarded the heart. And the Apostle Paul uses this as an example. He says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness protects and guards the heart. What is righteousness? Simply stated, it's living right. I know that, that that's a nutshell, but it's, it's living right. It's living according to God's plan. It's living according to God's principles. It's living according to, the, to the, the commandments of God. It's living a holy life. 
And what happens is when you live right, it guards your heart. Think of it in a physical sense. Think of it if, if, you don't, if you don't guard your physical heart. If you do whatever you want to do, if you want to eat whatever you want to eat for the rest of your life, and you want to create bad habits in your life, it will affect your heart. The, the boomer generation figured out in their 40s that, hey, we need to exercise. But I, I remember sitting with my grandparents and my, my father, you know, when I was 30, 35 years old. And, and man, my dad ate biscuits and gravy and, and uh, cornbread and bacon and fried eggs. Anybody getting hungry? <laughs> he ate that every single, I mean, whatever he wanted, hamburgers for lunch, fried chicken. I ate fried chicken three times a week when I was growing up in my house. Anybody ever have a chicken neck? We're five of us kids, man. Just, just fortunate enough to get a wing and a neck and a gizzard. Anybody ever eat the gizzards? Anyway. And I remember talking to my dad when he's, when he's in his 50s. Man, you got to die of something. I ain't going to worry about what I eat. I don't, you want to live forever? I don't want to live forever. You got to die of something. Man, that comes back to bite you when you get older. If, 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 you don't take care, if you don't take care of your heart with what you eat, if you just do whatever you want to do. I, I was watching something the other day, a documentary, and I was reading about it as I was talking about matters of the heart, that they really didn't find out that people didn't take smoking very seriously until the late 50s and early 60s. In the 50s, in the late 50s, nearly half of the United States adults were smoking. And it was like, it was just common. Everybody was doing it, and it was practice. I mean, my grandfather started smoking when he was like 12. It was just a part of life. And then they find out, hey, man, if you're pregnant, you probably shouldn't smoke. It was just a part of everybody's life. Somebody asked me, uh, we, you know, then we find out that it takes somewhere between 10 and 15 years off your life. I guarantee you, I mean, uh, my father, my grandfather died of lung cancer. Somebody asked me the other day, they're like, hey, do you believe that? Smoking will send you to hell. Do you believe smoking is a sin? I'm like, I can't say that. I really don't think it is. However, it will get, it will get you wherever you're going 15 years early. <laughs> but we, if you have habits, I mean, it's up to you. But if you have habits, it will affect your heart. In the same sense, sin will affect your heart in a spiritual sense. Sin will affect your heart. There are things that you can do with your life that will, that will disrupt and destroy your heart. Nothing destroys a body. Nothing destroys a heart. Nothing destroys a spirit the way sin does. And what happens is when it destroys your heart, it will cause you to carry baggage through life. Throughout your life, you will always be injured. Your heart will always be injured. You will have a heart condition, if you will. And it reminds me of what I tell my kids I tell my kids the scripture, guard your heart when it comes to relationships. Listen, our culture, our society does not guard our hearts. If somebody says, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait till I get married, or you know what, I'm not going to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or I'm not going to do this, I'm going to wait, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to date after a divorce until, you know, at least a year and a half. If you say that to people, they think, hey, you're too guarded. Hey, it wouldn't hurt to be a little bit too guarded in our culture. Think about how we row. We think, you know, we're attracted to someone. We start texting, and after two weeks, we go out on a date. On the third date, we become intimate. Do I need to explain? This is what we do in our culture by the third date. By 90 days, I mean, it's almost like we're married. By, by 90 days, we move in together. That's what people do. And then we wonder why in four months, if it doesn't work out, it feels like a divorce. 
What happened? You didn't guard your heart. And if you say, hey, you know what? I challenge you if you're single. Look at a person. I'm, I'm, this is, I'm going to talk about this in February. But look at a person if you're single and say, hey, let me, just, let me just tell you right now. We ain't having sex until we're married. That will eliminate 80% of the people that come in your life. <laughs> tell them, hey, we ain't going to kiss until 90, 90 days into this relationship because I'm going to get to know your family. I'm going to find out how people, you know, what, you know. I talked to somebody that was four months into a relationship about three months ago. I talked to somebody that was four months into a relationship, couldn't tell me if they were a believer, and couldn't tell me where they go to church. That's, that, that relationship is doomed if you're a believer. You know what we're doing? We're not guarding our hearts. And then if we do guard our hearts, all of our friends and family say, you know what? You're too guarded. Listen, it's better to be a little bit guarded today in our culture. Amen? It'll save you from carrying baggage. And we wonder why we, when God does send somebody into our lives. Listen to me, young people. We wonder when God finally does send somebody into our lives, we push them away. We don't trust anybody. And I hear people that are 30, 40 years old saying, I'm never getting married again. We don't guard our hearts. Guard your heart above all else, the Bible says, because from it flow the issues of life. Hold on to that scripture. A healthy heart is one that has been guarded. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Lastly, a healthy heart is a pure heart. A healthy heart is a pure heart. And this is exactly where we want to be. I mean, really, all of the other three points, a heart that is tested, a heart that is protected, a heart that is, that, a heart that is, is strong, these lead to a pure heart. If you look at Matthew, the fifth chapter and the eighth verse, listen to this scripture. God blesses those whose hearts are pure, for they will see God. You know, as I was looking at that scripture this past week, I was thinking, what can I say about that? What can I say about this verse? I mean, how can I break that down and make that a little bit more understandable? Really, we're there. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? God blesses those with pure hearts, and they're going to see God. Really, that's, that's, that's the derivative. You know, that's, there we are. That's as far as we can. God is going to bless people who have pure hearts. And you have a pure heart. When, if you don't have a pure heart, you have impurities in it. The Bible talks about how to have a pure heart. It says, the Bible talks in, in Proverbs 17.3, it says, As fire purifies gold, testing purifies the heart. A lot of times, if our hearts aren't pure, if we don't have pure motives, if we are mean-spirited, if we're doing things and we're saying things that are tearing people down, it's issues of the heart, and our hearts are impure. Well, what happens is God steps in and purifies the heart by testing it. As he tests the heart, like as, as the furnace and fire purifies gold, God will test the heart because he wants to eliminate all the impurities out of it because he has a plan. Well, what's the plan? Well, first of all, God wants to bless you. And we also see that it goes a step further, and I don't know exactly why it's different with people who, with, with, with impure hearts, but it says people who have pure hearts, they're going to see God. So exactly what that means, different from people that, I don't know that, that people that aren't exactly pure hearted won't see God, but there is an eternal reward. There is a blessing in this life, and there is an eternal reward for people who have pure hearts. But there's also a plan in 
1 Timothy 1 and 5, it says, The purpose of my instruction, this is the Apostle Paul talking to Timothy, who was a pastor, young pastor of a church. And the Apostle Paul was constantly giving Timothy instructions because he was a spiritual son to him. And listen to what he says to him. The purpose of my instructions is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a what? A pure heart. Think about that. Think of all the letters that the Apostle Paul wrote. And think of the instructions that he must have given over years of knowing Timothy. Think of the instructions that he must have given him. And he says, listen, here's the purpose of my instructions that I want you to be filled with the love. I want you to, I want you to be filled with the love that comes from a pure heart. Which tells me that, that if you aren't pure hearted, there is a disconnect with you. And the people that God has called you to love. If your heart has impurities, if you have been injured, if you have a broken heart, if there's something that has happened to your heart, then, then there's, it has impurities. And you're not, going to be, you're not going to be able to love people completely. I'm not talking about unguarded love. I'm talking about when God puts people into your lives, when God has family for you, when God has other things and other plans. God, has, God has, wants you to reach people. You're not going to be able to reach people in your life if you don't love them. There will always be issues in your life because of the impurities. But God says, according to the word, God says, when you have a pure heart, you can experience love in the fullness of its context. So I'm telling you, if there are impurities if you're mean-spirited, if you're broken, there's a disconnect in the love that you feel for others. Something's missing. So let God work his testing in your life. I want to close with this. An unhappy person, a Grinch-like person is a person with heart issues. Their heart is unhealthy. People aren't mean for no reason. People aren't walking around pushing people away for no reason, something has happened to that person. Are you hearing me? A lot of times when people treat you bad, you're like, oh, I'm not putting up with any mean vibes from anybody today. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm saying no to that. Get rid of all the toxic relationships. Hey, what if you were to get past that way of thinking and say, this person needs Jesus? What, can, you, can you handle a little bit of insult every now and then? Can you do that? Can you handle a little bit of insult, mean spirit to say, and look into a, a person's eyes when they're mean to you and just say, hey, are you okay? Here's what you don't say. Hey, you need to calm down. <laughs> that won't work. But in the right context, you can say, are you okay? Man, that, that, that seemed like, you know, I, I don't feel like my answer was, was smart or, or I wasn't trying to dig. Are you okay? And you can get to the heart of the matter and what you might find out is, is that person has experienced something in their lives that is, have caused them to build up a wall and act like this. That person has a condition of the heart. And maybe God has put you in their lives that you can talk to them to address the issues in their heart by leading them to God. A good heart, though, is a heart that is healthy. And a healthy heart looks like this. It's one that's tested, one that's strong, one that's guarded. And one that's pure. And that's the heart that God has for you. Amen? Let me pray with you today. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for dealing with us today. And as we are dealing with issues of the heart, Father, we live for you and we serve you. But that doesn't mean that we don't struggle with things. It doesn't mean that 
that we don't suffer a broken heart. It doesn't mean that we don't carry baggage sometimes in our lives from, from a broken heart. So I pray, Lord, that you'll meet us all where we are today, whatever's going on in our lives, that you will speak to us. Wherever we need to change, whatever we need to do, it will happen according to your plan and your will. In the name of Jesus. As your heads are bowed, I'd like for you to just think for a moment about what's going on in your life. Where are you with God? How is God speaking to you right now? Maybe you're here today and that's what you're dealing with is a broken heart or issues with your heart. It's unhealthy. It's impure. Are you acting like a person that you never plan to act like? Man, I don't like who I am. I don't like the way I act. I don't like my reaction to certain situations. I bet you it's a matter of the heart. I bet you that you've never dealt with your broken heart. I don't trust him. I don't trust her. Listen, if you have trust issues, it's usually because you have a broken heart or an injured heart. You're here today. I'm not asking you about your salvation. That's not what I'm asking you about. I'm talking to you. If you, you live for the Lord, he's Lord and Savior of your life. But when we're talking about the heart, you know that there's some things in there that needs to be taken out. You need a purification of the I want to pray with you right now if that's you. If you're seated next to somebody you love, take that person by the hand because there's something very powerful when we unite in prayer, the Bible says. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person here, and I thank you, Lord, that we live for you and serve you, God, but that doesn't change the fact that we can have an injured heart and we can walk through life with a deficiency, with an unhealthy, broken, injured heart. So whatever may have caused that, may we address it. And Lord, if there are people here today that have never dealt with what's going on, never dealt with the injury, the brokenness of a heart, Father, I pray that we pray that, Lord, test my heart. Search me, God. Change me. Lead me. Know me, Lord. Because, Father... You sent your son into this world that we can experience abundant lives in this life and in the life to come. But we can't walk through this life with a broken heart. Wrap your arms around people. Touch the lives of people. Change us today in the name of Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. As you continue to bow your heads, I want to pray one more prayer. As we always do, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, he's not Lord and Savior of your life. We'd love to lead you in a prayer. Not going to ask you to stand. Not going to ask you to come down here. Not going to single you out in any way that would embarrass you. In the same way we just prayed, we're going to pray that kind of prayer. And if you're here and you can say, Travis, you're talking about matters of the heart. But I've never asked Jesus to come into my heart and be Lord and Savior of my life. Or maybe you say, Travis, I walked away from God and he's not Lord of my life. And today feel like he's pulling at me for me to come home and give my life to Christ. So I'd like to lead you in a prayer. And like I said before, I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to pray. But I'd like to know if I'm praying for people. I want to know if I'm praying for someone today. If you're serious about this before we pray, if that's you, if you can say, Travis, I, if you'll pray that prayer, I want to give my life to Christ. I want, I want to make things right with God today. 
Real quickly, just slip your hand up and slip it down so I know I'm praying for people. Can anybody say that? I see your hand over here on the right. Anybody else? That's me, Travis. As you pray, I'm going to pray and I'm going to give my life to Christ today. Anybody else say that? I just want to know. I want to know if there are people serious about this today. I'll ask one more time, just in case you're thinking about it. Anybody else say that? That's me, Travis. I know we had one, but I want to make sure. All right, we're going to pray. And as we pray, if I, if I didn't see your hand, that's okay. God saw your hand and God saw your heart. And as we pray, mean these words. Give your life to the Lord. Come home today. Let him purify and change your heart. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, as I am before you today, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Jesus, take my life. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. I confess my sins today. And I ask you to change me. I ask you to take my life and use it for your cause. I believe in you, Lord, that you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment on, my life is committed to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Come on, guys, let's celebrate. <laughs>